Hello. Welcome to Rough Radio. This is PJ Prudat. And I'm Patricia Allison. And we're from the Shakespeare and the Rough Leadership Collective. Miigwech for being here. Today we sit down with Jenna Rogers, the director of Teenage Dick, which is currently happening at the Alberta Theatre Projects. This is a companion piece to our season-long exploration of Richard III and our Rough Reads book club that selected Teenage Dick by Mike Liu as our April selection. Listen in to this beautiful conversation with Jenna Rogers, where we talk about the play, working across difference, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy. The first question that we have for you is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also how it is that you came to be a director? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Two sure. and one. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, okay, cool. Well, I identify artistically. My, my practices are mostly directing and dramaturgy. I identify as a mixed race or biracial woman. I'm um, of Chinese and Welsh descent. Um, and I, I always like to presence that my ancestry isn't always the narrative. I think that people uh, assume just in that my dad immigrated to this country, he's Welsh as a child, and my mom, who's Chinese and English as a second language, was born um, in Edmonton in Treaty 6 territory. And my Chinese family has been um, living in on Turtle Island since the late 1800s, mostly through the male side, um, with the women joining um, after the head tax was lifted. Uh, so I think my ancestry is important to presence because it's impacted my career journey in that a lot of the work that I have done and have desire to do and um, has been working with racialized communities. So I started my career uh, really as an intern with Fujian Asian Canadian Theatre Company in Toronto. Um, And that was like right as Nina was on her way out of the organization and David was on his way into the organization. And it was a really kind of ripe time, I think, for equity-seeking communities in, in Toronto. There was a lot of like really interesting people coming up through leadership who have gone on and continued to work in leadership, not just in Toronto, but across the country. And um, I think it really helped me understand and believe in myself as an artist, as a maker, and divest myself from some of the concerns that a lot of my peers had when they graduated um, about which are still very real concerns, but about race and ethnicity and how that affects you as an artist and that you have to be both, um, you know, a racialized person and an artist, which is still true. But it gave me some time and ability to sort of carve out a focus on practice and on grant writing and articulating what that is and why it was important to me and how that then intersected with my identity, which is a really long preamble Um, to say that I got really interested in working on new work. um, And I had a few really key opportunities to um, work with various playwrights units, which when I moved back to Alberta, ended up getting translated into an opportunity to to work with the Playwrights Lab at BAMP Center. And I've been collaborating um, with Brian Quirt on that program now for um, 
think this is like my 10th year coming up, which is really exciting. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. And so that's a lot of my work through dramaturgy. But I think as we also know in this country, a lot of the new work, there's there's lots of new work happening, but a lot of the new work is coming from um, quote unquote, like voices that are underrepresented. Um, and I think that that has helped me, you know, develop a, a facility or skill set that in working across difference that has served me as a director. And so that's a really roundabout way to sort of get back to the question about directing, um, which, you know, when I moved here, to, I, I live in Treaty 7 territory in Milkinsthis or Calgary. And when I moved here in 2013, I knew I wanted to direct. I had been doing some assistant directing in Toronto and I thought maybe the best way into this is just to tell people that I'm a director and see what happens. Um, and, and so I did that and I applied for directing opportunities like um, through various organizations and um, applied a lot of my skill set in dramaturgy as I was writing grants to work with other people and to make sure that I continued to be in rooms across the country. And I think what developed over those first few years in Calgary was one, people getting to know me as a director and two, people realizing that I had a facility to work across difference. So when it comes to directing regional theater, I think um, as the calls for uh, equity and change-making got louder and louder and continue to get louder and louder, companies were like, who can I responsibly put in charge of difficult storytelling? Um, whether or not I am or was ever the right choice, I know that a lot of my way in through regional theater was through people being like, oh, we would like to program something Asian or we would like to program something that talks about um, race or sexual assault or consent in a really gritty way and who do we know who's having these tough conversations out in the community both with playwrights but also with practitioners Jenna and I think that's really kind of how I carved my way into the community um, and Teenage Dick is uh, no different in many ways because this is about um, thrusting people with disabilities into front and center, um, giving them a chance to do what they always knew that they could do, um, to lead a story. And um, it's been a really beautiful process and continues to be a learning process, both for me um, and I think also for the producing companies who decide to do shows like this, as we know, with equity-seeking communities, and then go, oh, we didn't take that into consideration. We didn't take this into consideration. Um, and that's not to throw shade at ATP so much as to say we all uh, tackle a steep learning curve when it comes to interacting in a good way with a new community. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I explained this in the email, but we're like our whole season is focused on Rich Shakespeare's Richard III. And as such, um, we run something called the Rough Reads Book Club. So April happens to be uh, Teenage Dick that we're reading, which is why this conversation for us is so timely because you're in like the thick of the process, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and something that just came to mind, which sort of like sparks from reading the introduction that we have uh, on Teenage Dick by Mike Liu Um Oh my gosh, did I get that name correct? Or am I blanking? Michael Lou. Yes. 
Mike, we're best friends. <laughs> I think like Mike Lou is what it says on the title of my, oh, like okay, on the, great, the great, copy great. that I have. I don't think yeah. you're wrong. <laughs> I just panicked that I nicknamed him like we were friends. Um, but he sort of like touches upon that point because uh, I believe that he's Chinese American and he sort of like speaks to that idea of um, coming to Teenage Dick, like having the concept brought to him as a playwright and navigating that sort of like difference um, while not necessarily like coming from the disability community himself. So I think I'm like just curious, like how did this project come to your lap? Like, do you think that, is it the Alberta Theater Project um, just like thought of you for it or was it something you had wanted to do beforehand? Um, uh, I, I think it, they came to me, but I also, um, I know that this was a pandemic, pre-pandemic holdover. So um, it was announced as part of one of their seasons just before the pandemic. And it was mm. intended, it was always intended to be directed by the artistic director at that time, mm. um, who's Darcy ha Evans. Um, Darcy unfortunately passed away during the pandemic from uh, brain cancer. And so, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's been, I think, a real... Um, testament to his vision that they decided to continue to program this play um, across an interim artistic producer and another artistic director mm. and another artistic producer it's been a tumultuous time um uh, and and um it is a co-production so it is being uh co-produced by the Shakespeare company and hit and myth productions here in Calgary oh, cool. um and I really think I, I don't I don't know, but but I think part of the reason I got attached to the show is because um, I had an experience with ATP and that Shakespeare Company and Hit and Myth have wanted to work with me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then because of the sort of hybridity of my practice, again, thinking, well, if if the artistic director isn't available to do the show um, and and has changed over, who's someone local in our community who has a strong track record of working with people across difference, mm -hmm. um, who understands the the venue that we're in um, and the scale that we're going for. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's why my name got brought forward, but I wasn't originally attached to the production. Wow. Yeah. One of the sentences that I like wrote down when you were just talking about your practice is that you have like the facility to work across difference. And I think that that's such like a beautiful aspiration to not only have, but like, that's such a gorgeous place to sit in. It's a really nice place to sit in, but I think it comes along with lots of other ethical conversations that are happening about like, should we mm -hmm. be working across difference or how do we mm -hmm. work across difference or like, what are, cause you're like, cause you're going to fuck it up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, and even when we're, even when we're working in our own communities, that's when we're often the most like harshly uh, we come into mm, harsh is maybe the wrong word, but we come into some of the most electric kind of confrontations mm. when we're working within our own community. Um, but I will say or offer that um, the practice of that is also, I think, part of what builds the capacity or rigor to um, go into other spaces and other communities and and try to be a whole person with a generous heart and spirit and apply all of those learnings and that care and, and, um, know that you will take accountability if you fuck it up. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the collective leadership at Rough, we did a series of consultations last year, and that that was one of the most brilliant things that we had brought forward to us was the idea that like you're aiming big, you're gonna fuck it up. <laughs> so that's actually something that we say over here at Rough quite a bit with that sort of understanding that um, we're all just like trying to grow and like further the community and within that the work is sort of going to get mucky and sometimes it'll sail and sometimes you'll have the opportunity to learn where you fell short yeah I think it's like one of the most interesting difference between like socially based or rooted professions versus like other kinds of professions like I am regularly startled by like I don't know talking to an insurance agent and they're like willingness to like give me the runaround when I'm like all you have to do is say you made a mistake like my dude it would be fine if you were just like (laughs) oops I missed that in my calendar like (laughs) um and it's the lesson that I like wish and hope for the future of our industry that more people take to heart that like your career isn't over if you admit that you did something wrong Mm -hmm. thank you yeah, sorry um, if I've taken us on any weird tangent. <laughs> no, I think it's important. Thank you for voicing that. Yeah, I, I like, I like, I appreciate what you said about, um, yeah, within how it is more electric uh, within your own community. How those conversations are more electric. I really, I really see that, feel that. Um, we are curious to know about your relationship or previous um, association with Richard Three. Is it has there been another? Uh, time when you've I guess anything anything you felt about about that particular piece that's bubbled up for you goodness um that's that's such a good question uh I feel like I'm shy to admit it sometimes but I'm like I feel like I've been very distant from Shakespeare in my career um and in university and PJ and I both went to U of A at at one point in time um (laughs) I felt like a big Shakespeare nerd. Like I like reading and I like words and um, I found it quite delicious that I felt like I had some skill in interpreting it. But when I graduated and got out into the world, it felt quite clearly, I felt I felt quite quickly and quite clearly that there wasn't too much of a space for me in Shakespeare. Lots of people already wanted to do it. Um, very few of the organizations around me that were doing it had bodies that looked like mine that were in those spaces. And so I think in a very pragmatic way, I was like, oh, I, this isn't the path I should follow. So I really spent like, you know, 12 years plus without needing to encounter um, Shakespeare that deeply. And um my last real encounter with Richard III was when I was still at U of A and, and that probably this production would have been in like maybe 2006 or 2007. And an MFA student was doing from, from Eastern Europe was doing a production. Um, and it was infused with all sorts of aesthetics that were avant-garde to me at the time. And <laughs> a guy with a bit of a hunchback and a limp with, you know, an able-bodied actor um, putting on, Um, the story. And I remember being like, maybe this is the most interesting of the histories. Um, (laughs) Because there's a lot going on in there. And and, and like kind of learning about those wars is so interesting. And I, I I felt quite, um, I, I I remember that production. um, 
but I, I, I don't have a really distinct connection with Richard III. And I said to the cast on the first day of rehearsal that like, you know, I've, I've done my homework. I've done some, I've done some reading. I've revisited that text, but, but teenage Dick is pretty far removed from the source material of Shakespeare's Richard III, um, mm. but still draws on the, the Yorks and the Lancasters and those pieces of history, as well as some of the drama that happens. Liz Woodville, Elizabeth Woodville makes a surprise appearance. Um, but I've said, you know, hey, cast, some of you have done a lot more Shakespeare. So feel free to impart your knowledge upon us. Let us know where these lines are coming from, what the inside jokes are, because it's good for us if we all know. But I don't want to take for granted that like, or make the assumption that we all know, because in fact, I am almost certain that half of the cast is like, I don't know this play at all. Like not, not Teenage Dick, but I don't know Richard III at all. So how do we come together as a community and embrace Shakespeare and learn the inside jokes and know that they're all going to hit different for different audience members. And that's been a really fun journey to kind of go on to even pick out some of his monologues or soliloquies and say, that's actually from R&J. Oh, that one's from Hamlet and um, uh, allow it to sort of live on its own without being super precious about Richard III, but also say there's lots of inside jokes for Shakespeare nerds here too. Great. Can I ask a question that you don't have to have an answer to? Because this is just something I was thinking of while I was reading it. Um, Because Richard in Teenage Dick like references Shakespeare so much, does the canon within Teenage Dick contain Richard the third or not like because he's like so because that character is like so up to date on Shakespeare would he not have read Richard the third as a script within the does my question make sense it makes it makes total sense and I don't know it's a great question that I should take back to the actor Oh, so that question like never came up. I was just wondering, because that would be my first question on day one. Like, yeah, but you know, he, while there's lots of Shakespeare references in there, he doesn't, the character doesn't actually reference Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. So, you know, I think maybe there's a bit of merit in allowing ourselves to believe that that character is also channeling the writer. Yeah. As opposed to, the world he's studied all of those plays mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah great um and just jumping back to a point that you made before um in full transparency which everyone knows this about me but i come from a background of choreography uh and dance so even like in my career i've never worked on a shakespeare history before like, because you don't hire choreographers generally to work on the histories. Uh, so I'm very much approaching the work and the development of this um, reimagining with the cast, with that mindset that you sort of spoke to. Like, I'm not the Shakespeare expert in the room. I can, like, I can do the play, uh, but there are other people we can, like, if you have big, big questions about, like, the original, there are, like, Shakespeare experts we can ask, um, but that's not going to come from me. So I find it refreshing that you, like, sort of have a similar approach to <laughs> to the work and collaboration. 
Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about accessibility and we want Shakespeare to be more accessible to a wider range of communities, not only do we need to see a, a wider representation of bodies on, on stage, we also need to see a wider approach to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that stories are um, recycled and updated and, um, you know, through the years, it's the Lion King is Hamlet kind of situation. And I'm like, we need ways into those mm-hmm. stories. Um, for different communities too. Mm-hmm. That's great. I could take that opportunity to shout out our cool choreographer. We're working with a woman named Tanya Alvarado, and she is lovely. It's so fun to work with a choreographer on a contemporary history, because <laughs> um, awesome. there's a huge dance sequence in it, and we're um, taking a lot of influence from contemporary hip hop and uh, TikTok. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. Um, what is like your biggest hope that audiences take away from this production? Like what's, what would be like the ideal win from audience perspective? Gosh, I always feel like, uh, I don't want this to be like a, I feel like I would say this for almost every play, but I, I want, and I want audiences to go away and want to talk about it. Um, and and to me, it, it doesn't really matter what they're talking about, but it matters that a piece of art engaged them to say, you know, what was that about? Or I really felt strongly when, or um, I, yeah, I don't know. I was really moved when I think that like part of the social function of art is to create conversations. Um, and so if they want to talk about casting choices, if they want to talk about you know, choreography choices, if they want to talk about how much they liked the character or hated the character, I'm just delighted that they're talking. Um, you know, there's another part of me that's like, I guess like it would also be cool if people are like, maybe I should read Richard III or like watch another source of this, or I want to know more about the source material. Um, but but I really think like, I also really like this show gets a bunch of student matinees and I'm like, if this can get um, a younger generation of people interested in the arts. I feel really optimistic about that. Like, I feel like this is a, um, I feel like a teenage dick. Uh, you, someone was asking me if it's a comedy and I was like, I don't know if in good conscience I can say that it's a comedy, but <laughs> it is very funny. Um, and I think like achieving the kind of humor that I'm hoping to achieve should have a broad appeal. And um, I know that I know that as theater artists, sometimes we have a funny relationship with the notion that theater is entertainment, but I do want people to be entertained. Um, I want them to want to come back. Um, I want them to want to do it again. Uh, Not necessarily see Teenage Dick, but like come back to the theater, come see another play, give it another shot. Um, And I I hope that, that, that Teenage Dick can kind of be a way in for a couple of people. That's excellent. Thank you. That's really, that's really fun. I think yeah. <laughs> bit of a dark, humorous way. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so funny. That's the best part. That's the best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else that you have a burning desire to ask Trish? No, I was going to throw that to the same thing to Jenna. Like, is there anything else that you have a bur- burning desire to like share about this production or making art or working across difference I 
Yeah. Yes. I want to shout out the whole cast. And then I also have a fear that I'll start talking about them and like one of them will drop out of my brain and <laughs> pull the cast list up just so I don't screw that up. But, um, you know, it, one of the great joys about working in this industry are the people that you, you get to work with. And I think that this is a really exciting group of human beings. Um, and so our Richard III is being played by Dylan Thomas Boucher, who is a wonderful Treaty 8 actor with cerebral palsy, who uh, is an NTS graduate and has been doing some pretty cool things um, since he graduated. Um, Worked with uh, PJ just a little yeah. while ago. Was that, on the, was that Bent Boy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dylan is just a wonderful, wonderful human being. And I think like, you know, I'm, I'm excited because, you know, that the company gave me the option and the budget to be able to bring in someone from the United States, which is pretty rare, but it's been a real gift to fight, like to advocate for and to work with someone who's local um, to Alberta to the province um, and who cares deeply about the place and to like, just be able to showcase that we have talent and we don't always have to look somewhere else for talent, you know? Yes. So Brilliant. yeah, I'm so excited to be working with Dylan and our, uh, our other disabled actor is Ricky Entz, who is playing Buckingham. Um, and Ricky's a non-binary wheelchair user who's also based in Mulkinspis. So feeling really um, positive again about being able to, uh, you know, hire disabled actors locally, because I think we just like, you know, any other kind of difference, we have these ideas that like no one's around, but they're there, they're right in front of you. Um, and then I, we get to work with Anna Kummer, who is playing Elizabeth York, uh, who's a really talented actor who's worked a lot in Western Canada, and also from Calgary. Uh, and Todd Hausman is playing Eddie Ivy. Todd is a, a Treaty 6 actor, who's in for the show, uh, Cree guy, really, really lovely and fun. Um, but it sounds strange, but I'm like, it is a, a, a dynamic that I've played with before that if someone is going to get bullied, um, it sometimes helps if they're going to get bullied across a degree of sameness. So having two Cree guys in this role has allowed us to have some really interesting and robust conversations um, about bullying and about self-hate and about self-love. Um, and that's been really delicious to dig into. That is so smart. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> um, Emily Howard is playing Clarissa Duke, who is also a local actor. Emily was last seen in, I think, Theatre Calgary's um, Oscar Wilde, Importance of Being Earnest. So I think people will be excited to see her return to the stage. Um, and Isabella Pedersen is playing our Anne Margaret, and she's a really cool young actor, dancer, um, who was actually did her theater school in the Philippines. And this is her first show at Alberta Theater Project. So really excited to have this like mix of both experienced and emerging artists come together um, and be on stage um, and coexist in a like um, really beautiful and diverse way. Wow, that sounds incredible. Now I'm like bummed that we can't fly out to Calgary to see it. Get that PJ. travel grant. <laughs> yeah, where's, where's the budget for that at Rough, PJ? It's <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all those lovely artists. Yeah. It's a really cool group of humans. Mm -hmm.
I could talk about the artistic team for so long um, because, you know, that's a huge part of the joy of our industry is all of the people you get to collaborate with in these micro moments. But um, I, I, I don't, I wish you all great joy and fun in reading the show as you're about to do. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yep. You're heading out to, to, yeah, do a read. Yeah. Um, I hope it brings you, it's a strange play to say is joyful, but I'm like, I do hope digging into it brings you as much joy as it's brought me so far. It weirdly is like sort of what you alluded to with that, like dark comedy. It, it kind of is joyful to read <laughs> in a weird sort of way. Amazing. Fills me with the anxiety being like, boy, I got to nail that ending. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no pressure, but now you even have Shakespeare and the rough audiences waiting to hear if you landed it. <laughs> I got you a couple will. more reads. Okay. Okay. A you will. <laughs> it's, there. it's already there. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> Tricky though. Hey, that's the thing with theater. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of things too. There's, I feel like every show that I do, I think it, I, there's always something that I think is really cool in the hall. And then we try it with the tech and I'm like, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, and, and vice versa. There are things that I'm like, I don't know if I buy this in the hall. And then we try it with tech and I go, oh yeah, this is great. This is excellent. You know? So, so it's a theater's a collaborative sport, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. Hey, yeah. We really rely on each other to to make the story lift and if we we don't if we try to treat it like a solo gig it doesn't work very well absolutely I'm, i so hear you on that yeah i really do wish we could get out there and see it i would love to see see your production so i look so forward to seeing it seeing the social media and and uh trailers probably most likely as yeah. well yeah yeah here's hoping but i am um, uh yeah if, if i get any clips or video or anything I'll I'll see if I can send it along too because I don't know if there will be some like news media coverage but um yeah PJ let let me know next time you come back through Alberta I'm sure you've got lots of folks to see but it would be lovely to reconnect I would love that I would so love to see yeah let's figure that out yeah vice versa next time you're here too yes so to see you today it's been a while it's been (laughs) it's been a hot minute (laughs) so wonderful chatting with you today thank you for for hopping in. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today for our conversation with Jenna Rogers. If you're in Calgary, you can catch Teenage Dick and Alberta Theatre Projects on now until April 30th. And anyone can join our Rough Reads Book Club conversation on April 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Email roughreads at shakespeareintherough.com for more information. And we have a lot more coming your way from Rough Radio Conversations this season, exploring all things Richard III. Thanks for listening. Miigwech.